Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Amen. I'll tell you, like I, like I tell our church, the church up in Derry City, listen church, we need to become bold, amen. Start being bold and start, start inviting people to church. Oh, well, what if they don't like it? It doesn't matter, amen. We need, to be, we need to be bold about these things. Why? Because church has the answers that most of the people need that are sitting outside, that are sleeping in right now, that aren't, that aren't waking up until noon, you know, staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning. We have the answers for them, church. Not just me, but each of you in here, y'all have the answers for them. We need to begin to speak to people, invite people out, amen, to come and participate with the Word of God. You say, why is that? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming? I mean, don't, don't be getting all bashful in here because it's been a few weeks since I've been here. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming? I mean, He's coming, I'm telling you, church. And it's time we get serious about these things. I mean, because Jesus is coming whether you, whether you like it or not. As we used to say as little kids, ready or not, here, here He comes, amen, because He's coming, amen. We need to be ready for Him when He comes because, listen, church, we got a job to do. We have a job to do. I'm telling you, if there's, if there's anything that's getting me stirred up over these last couple years, it's this, it's this thought process. I mean, thinking about Jesus, thinking about what it's going to be like when, you know, they even wrote a song about it, I can only imagine. I mean, what is it going to be like when we come face to face with the living God, the one that gave his life up for each and every one of us? What is it going to be like? I mean, what's it going to be like eye to eye, mouth to mouth? Actually, to, to be able to feel him caress you, not just sense his presence, but be able to feel him. I mean, what, what, what are these things going to be like, church? I'm telling you, it, it is absolutely amazing to think about some of these things. Listen, church, we get, we get the presence of God flowing in this house like, like, no, like, like no other church I've been in at times. Amen, at times. I mean, I'm telling you, when he comes and you become face-to-face with him, hmm, the one that has a hair like fine wool, white as snow. The one that has eyes like flames of fire. The one that has mouth as, as, as and when he speaks, it's like many rivers flowing out of his mouth. The one that, that when you get into his presence, this, the, his love just radiating off of him will melt you at his feet. I'm telling you, when we get into his presence, it's going to be like no other church service you've ever been in. I'm telling you, we need to get hungry for these things. We need to have a desire we need to have a desire for him to come back. I'm telling you, church, we've had prophecies after prophecies after prophecies fulfilled. I'm telling you, he's coming. He's coming. I mean, in 1948, when Israel was made a nation, up to 1967, when, when Jerusalem was won back, I'm telling you, it's been like clockwork, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Here in the last 10 years, it's been amazing the kind of prophecies that have been fulfilled. I'm telling you, church, the, and just in the last couple years, the ritual baths have been filled up with water. It hadn't happened in two, over 2,000 years. I'm t- the, the Bethlehem star appeared last year. It hadn't happened in 2,000 years. I'm telling you, the, the cleanup crew, which is probably one of my favorite things that Joe Morris talks about. There's 182 different species of predatory birds that have already migrated over to Israel that are breeding, that are, that are getting established, that are, that are multiplying. Why? Because the, bat, the Ezekiel 38 war and the Battle of Armageddon, they're the cleanup crew. 
Amen. These things are already starting to happen. I'm saying you got the Ezekiel 38 war, Pete. The, the, the nations are already lined up right now. Amen. Ready to come down and attack Israel. I'm telling you, church, it is amazing. Foxes have been on, on the Temple Mount. We have, uh, we have the, 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 temp, uh, the Temple Institute. They've already gotten permission to be able to build the temple. They're just waiting for the right time to step out and do it. They got the, they got the anointing oil that they found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. They, they have the, the, red, the red heifer, that, that spotless red heifer is already ready to be sacrificed. I'm telling you, church, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I mean, this, this is a reality. These things have, are coming. They, they were very spread out. I mean, you can look at, you can look at the, the, the natural disasters between earthquakes. They used to happen once every couple years. I'm telling you, we get thousands a year now. Why? Because the earth itself is crying out saying, the king, church, he's saying, the king is coming. The earth is trying to give us warnings about it. Why? Because Jesus prophesied these things would come to pass. I mean, it's happening over and over and over again. Because I'm telling you, we have got... We have got to get in the place of realizing that we got a job to do before he comes to get back. I'm telling you, as Isaiah 17.1 talks about Damascus being removed as a nation, as a, as a city, excuse me. I'm telling you, it wouldn't surprise me to wake up any day and see Damascus is gone. It's uninhabited. A nuclear bomb or whatever exploded, and there, there is no more Damascus. I'm telling you, when these days, when these days come, church, listen, you don't, be, don't be caught adrift. Amen, because I'm telling you, our eyes ought to be, ought to be focused forward, looking, because I'm telling you, the king's about to come receive his church. Amen, and I'm telling you, these things can happen at any, any day. <laughs> Man, these examples just keep on popping up to me. Church, we've been in the last two years of pestilence. The, the world was shut down because of a stinking virus. Are you kidding me? I mean, we, we, we are in the last days. I mean, we are in the last days. These, these aren't, maybe, maybe we are, maybe we are not. Look, you can look at the one, world, uh, the one world system trying to start flexing its muscles to see what it can get away with and what it can't. Why? Because it's coming to pass. It, it will come to pass after we're out of here. I mean, I'm telling you, church, these things are reality. You know, the things I want to encourage you with today is, listen, church, we need, to, we need to have a desire. We need to have a hunger for our king to come. We need to be thirsting. We need to be hungry for him to come and take his church, not just take his church, but come and set up his throne here on this land. But listen, we can't be so, we can't be so mindful of what he's doing and when he's coming that we forget about the mission he's given us to do here on this earth. Because I'm telling you, we have got a job to do before Jesus comes down to this land. Amen. I used to always think it was, it, was, it was terrible for people to say, man, we need to be believing God for Jesus to return. Why? Because you'd hear all these ministers, you'd hear all these Christians walking around the church, you're like, like oh, you know, you know I, I just I want Jesus to come because this world's going into chaos. My children are acting right or whatever it may be. My job's just too difficult. Oh, Jesus, just come and take your church. And I say, man, that, that is so selfish. It's so selfish for us to, 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 what about all these people that need to get saved? What about this revival that needs to take place before Jesus comes? It's so selfish for us to, to, to just want Jesus to come. But listen, as, as, as we begin to press in and, and, and this hunger of intimacy has been birthed in this church, listen, listen, I don't know what they're thinking because I'm not wanting to get out of here because of how difficult things may get out here on this earth. But I'm telling you, I, I have a desire to see him. I have a desire. I have a hunger. I want to be with him more than I want to be with anything here on this earth. I'm telling you, he's more important than, than my job. He's more important than, than, my, than my family. He's more important than this church. Him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he, he is what my eyes are after. He, he's the one that's captured my gaze, church. 
And I'm telling you, I'm hungry after these things. Amen. We need to be hungry after him. We need to be desiring to seek him in everything that we're doing. And, you know, I've, I've used this example. I've used this example uh, with, with my wife. If my wife was, was the gone to the States to, to visit her family or to visit our family before, uh, before COVID came in and she got stuck over there. Amen. What would we be doing if she couldn't fly back over here? Listen, we'd be communicating on the phone. We'd be FaceTiming. We'd be talking daily. We'd be praying. We'd be seeking God for her arrival, for her to come back. Why? Because I love her, because I want her. Amen. Because I want, I want her to be part. I want her to, to be with me again. So we'd be praying, believing God, seeking God out for all these things to take place. Amen. When she got the approval to come over, listen, I'd check, I'd check my MasterCard to see if, to see if, uh, if it actually went through and the ticket actually got purchased. I'd know what day she was going to leave in. I'd know where she is in the sky. I'd know when she's going to land, what gate it's going to be, what flight number it is. And I'd probably show up two hours ahead of time just because I desire to see her. I want to get in her presence. I'd have blinkers on. I'm not looking at any other people walking through those gates. My eyes are only for her. They're only for her. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, church, as much as I long to see her, as much as I'd never want to not, as much as I wouldn't want to do ministry without her ever, as much as I wouldn't want to do life without her. Listen, I'm here to tell you, church, life would, would still continue. Life would still continue. You say, what do, what do I mean by that? If she's stuck in the U.S., listen, church, I'd still have young children i got to raise. Amen. We'd have to be training them up. We'd have to be teaching them. Listen, there's two churches that are going to have to be ministered into. Life continues on. Amen. We got a job to do. There is a call upon each and every one of our lives. There is a call upon my life. I can't just stop because something didn't work out the way we wanted it to happen. Amen. This is what Jason was, uh, Pastor Jason was preaching on here last Wednesday. There is an obedience when there comes to faith. Amen. We need, to, we need to hear what the Lord's doing. And sometimes things don't work out the way we think they're going to work out. But that don't mean we stop. That don't mean we back up. What do we do? We continue to hear from God. We continue to push forward to the mark. Hmm? Oh, come on, church. Y'all need to wake up in here. We need to do some jumping jacks. Amen. I'm telling you this because this is the reality of, of, of what's going on on the earth. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. And I'm telling you, but we can't get, we can't be so distracted with, with desiring him to come back that we, that we lose track of what he's called us to do here on this earth. I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't just want you. He needs you to do something here on this earth. He needs you to minister to people. He needs you to lay hands on the sick. He needs you to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. He needs you to get people saved. He needs these things to take place. Hmm? He don't just need you to come to church and hang out and then go do whatever you want the rest of the week. No, he wants you to come and get trained up in church so you can go out and fulfill his call upon your life the rest of the week and then come back in and get trained back up. Amen? Oh, come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we don't need to get distracted. We need to get pressed into what the Lord is asking us to do. Because I'm telling you, all the house needs to be in order when the master returns. Because hmm? he, he's returning. His house needs to be in order. This, this earth needs to be in order. Amen. For when he comes and he, and he sets foot back upon this, upon this land, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful he trusted us to be a part of it. And you could have been born any other time in your life. But Jesus said, you know what, you know what, I, I want you born right now, right now, because you, you're going to minister to so many different kids, and I need you to focus on those things. I need you to get those kids raised up in a Christian environment. 
I mean, church, I'm telling you, there's, there's some amazing calls that are upon our lives in here. We need to begin to seek these things out and, and go after it. Amen? And we need to, we need to be pressing in. We, we, need to have, we need to be generationally minded. I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked about that. I mean, I, I allude to these things here and there, but it's been, it's been a while since I've preached on the topic of, of being generational-minded or having a generational legacy. But I'm telling you, church, we, we need to start shifting our focus and start, start getting to think about, about what's going on, what's going on around us, amen? Because Jesus is coming back. It may, be, it may be seven years. It may be next month, amen? It may be 700 years, Amen. I don't believe it's going to take that long, but I'm telling you, it, it, it's, 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 it, anytime he comes when he chooses, we need to be about his business. Amen. We need to be about training up this next generation. We need to be preparing. Amen. Preparing like, like, like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We need to be seeking him out, being hungry, being thirsty for the things of God like we're about to meet him. Why? Because the bride gets, gets, gets excited. Amen. When, when he's about getting ready for the wedding, isn't it? I mean, the wedding's about to come. Amen. We need to be getting excited. We need to be pressed in. We not we don't need to be in church less. You need to be in church more. Why? Because is there excitement growing on the inside of you, church? I'm telling you, there's something that you can't be, it can't be put out with, a, with a, 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 one of those red can things, a fire extinguisher. It can't, it, can't be, it can't be blown out on the inside of me. Why? Because I'm ready. I'm ready for him. I want him. I desire him. Amen. But see, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen for years, if it doesn't happen for 700 years, listen, church, there's going to be a foundation laid for the next generation. Amen. There's going to be a next generation. See, see, God has placed visions. He's placed, he's placed dreams upon the, on the inside of each and every one of you in here. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I tell you all the time, listen, if it's something you can do on your own, listen, it's not from God. Amen. You, you need to be dreaming so big, have something so big placed upon you that you can't do it, that you've got to lean on the Lord, lean on the Holy Spirit, lean on Jesus himself to allow these things to come to, into fruition in your life. You say, well, well what happens if, if you don't fulfill it? Listen, church, see, we, this is where this is where we need to, to be mindful on how we, how we think, about, I think about things. Amen. Because see, listen, I'm telling you, God has put something so big upon me, I know I can't do it. I can only do it with his help. Amen. But see, if I don't get it completed, if not every church gets planted or, or not this church, this, this island doesn't blow off in revival on, and the things that he's shown me, if it's not going to come through me, listen, it's going to come through that next generation. Why? Because I'm preparing them. I'm training them up. I'm desiring these things to happen. I don't think it has to come through me. Listen, church, that's not an out-of-faith statement. That's not an out-of-faith statement. What I'm saying is things can be so big, you may be the one that lays the foundation for, for these things that come into fruition. Everything doesn't revolve around you. I mean, everything doesn't revolve around me. Everything revolves around him and his kingdom. Amen. So it doesn't matter if Melvin is the one that, that brings these things to fruition or if it's me or if it's Brother Jason or if it's little Jordan back there. I, I'm telling you, none of these things matter to me. They don't matter to me. All that matters is it gets completed. It gets finished and it gets done. Amen. Why? Because I want to see my king. I want to come face to face with my king. I mean, we got, we got to be people that are desiring to we hand off the baton to this next generation church, that they're doing things better than we're doing it. Amen. If they're doing things better than we're doing it, that, that, they're, that they're better at evangelism, that they're better at preaching, that they're, they're better at the move of the Spirit, they're better at hosting the presence of God than we are. Why? Because if we're not doing these things correctly, listen, we failed them. We failed them. You know, you guys have heard me say this 
probably several times, you know, I, you know, I believe in the independent church and I'm thankful for the independent church. I'd never go into denominationalism. Amen. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we know today as the independent church. I mean, we got, it's like we got the corner market on, on faith and on healing and on the move of the spirit, you know, and intimacy and some of these things. We, you know, it's like we, 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 we understand some of these things really well, but there's, but there's one thing we don't know very well as an independent church as the independent church move is. You say, what is that? We have no generational staying power. We have no generational staying power. You go thinking through your head, how many independent churches do you know that are two generations deep and they're still in the same direction that they started off in? Not, not many of them. There's not many of them. I can probably count a handful of them. You know, and that, that's it. Why? <laughs> because we, we begin to encamp and encircle things about only about the minister. Amen. I'm telling you, when that, and that minister walks off, that minister dies, that minister goes off, to do, or the Lord calls him to do something else. There's nothing, there's no one there to, to help move that movement forward still. Why? Because we're not generational minded. Amen. We got, we got to be looking at, you know, we, we've talked about this because we've seen so many churches shut down here over here in Ireland, and it blows me away when these churches shut down, no one's taken over them. No one said, you know what, you know, I, did, I don't care what that pastor is doing. We're a family. We're going to rise up. We're going we're to continue to do what God asks us to do. Why? Because God builds families. He's not just building a ministry. Amen. He builds families together. But see, we got to get, we got to start thinking about more things than just ourselves. I mean, see, listen, this, this alone right here, for any, because you know, I know none of you guys are like that in here, but anyone that's listening on podcasts, listen, this, this will get you planted in a church when you realize that not everything's about you, about, oh, I like this minister, I'm called to this minister, it's all about what I can get fed by this minister, you know, and, but, but listen, church, you got something you need to be offering to the church yourself, amen, like, like we said before, you're not necessarily called to a minister, you're called to the family, Amen. Get to that place where we know what we can offer something to the family, where you can offer something to the kingdom of God. Because listen, God has something great on the inside of you. See, some of you are looking at me like, like, I don't know. I'm telling you, there's something great on the inside of you. We just got to yield ourselves, amen, to Holy Spirit. Yield him and allow him to, to allow us to reveal those things in the right place in the right time. We got to allow ourselves to get trained up. We got to allow ourselves to be part of the family, not just to move. Amen. Be part of the, an everlasting generational family. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what God's done in this, in this house and what he's done in this land. But I'm, I'm very much so looking forward to what he's doing. But us, and I, I say this as ministers and any other ministers that are in the house, listen, listen, this narcissistic, self-consumed idea that everything is about us. Listen, church, this, this, this is the main reason why we're not training up people. Amen. I'm telling you, there is such a fear in ministries and ministers nowadays that, man, if I train somebody up, listen, they're going to do something, they're going to do something better than me. And I'm telling you, I hope they do. Amen. I hope they do. I'm telling you. And we, we, need to get, we need to get rid of some of this thought process. I'm telling you, you know, we just ordained Jason and Nadine, uh, you know, what, a month ago, a few weeks past. Listen, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, Jason and Dean, any other ministers in this house, I'm telling you, if you're not a better preacher than I am, if you're not a better teacher than I am, if you don't move in the gifts better than I do, if you're not a better pastor than I am, listen, church, I failed you. And then I failed the church and I failed all the other places you go and minister in. Why? Because this is our job to train them up. Amen. Any other ministers, any, any teachers, the people that, that are under you, you, Sharon, listen, your job is to train them. If they're not better at what you, at what you do than you are, listen, you failed. 
Listen, if our children aren't better than we are, I mean, if they, don't, if, they don't, if they struggle with the same garbage that we struggle with, church, we failed. Oh, come on now. That means we're failing. I mean, we, we, need, we need to rise to the occasion. We need to rise to the occasion and do what the Lord has asked us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when it comes to leading, I have a, I have a, a, I have a, a good buddy, a good friend. He's, he's from Denmark, and we're in ministry together for about, I don't know, seven or eight years, I guess it was. And he was, he was I had a handful of people over me in this international minister, but he was the guy that was directly above me. And he was, he was a great guy. He's, he's a wonderful man. He, he preached at our church here when it first got birthed, I don't know, maybe like a month or six weeks after we got started, but, but a great guy. But anyhow, when he, uh, we were sitting there chatting about leadership one day, and he, he was like, you know, Ryan, he goes, so much leadership in the church nowadays, he goes, it's just like the world. And I was like, well, come on. You know, he said, it's just like the world. He goes, you know what? You know, the world, they walk around and, and everyone wants to get above. Everyone wants to get more money. People want to get advancement. People want different things. So what do they do? They come and they put their hands upon people's heads and they lift them up. They lift themselves up above people, stepping on people, crawling on people to get to where they're called to be. And he said, listen, the, the same thing happens in the church. Listen, we, we all have a call in here. We all have a destiny in here. But listen, we don't need to step on people to get where we need to to go. Amen. That's not how God does things. He will open up a door which no man can shut and shut a door which no man can open. Amen. So what do we do? We don't walk around and say, oh, well, who can I? I'm, I'm going to use and abuse that person. I'm going to squeeze. I'm going to try to lift myself above them because really you're not lifting yourself above them. You're, you're cramming them into the ground. Amen. As, as you're stepping upon them. Amen. And see, leadership can't be like that. Leadership's not like this in the kingdom. You say, what, what does kingdom leadership look like? Kingdom leadership, as, as Peter would say, it's you, get, you grab them by the hind side, you get underneath them, and you pick them up to be above you. Amen? Why? Because leaders are here to train people to be greater than we are, better than we are at everything that we're doing. And listen, Tracy, we need to stop looking at how we're better than other people that are sitting around us and say, you know what? Let me, let me go and let me see if I can help pull that person up to my level or maybe an even higher level than myself. I mean, that's what leadership looks like in the kingdom. Amen? We, I know there's a lot of people in here that are leaders. Some of you are natural leaders. Some of you need to be leaders in the kingdom. Amen. But listen, we need to start shifting the way we think leading, leading and leadership looks like and begin to be more focused on how God desires to do these things. Listen, turn with me here. I'll, I'll go there, Lord. In Matthew chapter 20. You know, I, I, I love this. Y'all probably heard me minister on this a hundred times. You're going to hear it 101. Amen. Here in, in, uh, in Matthew 20, I'll start here in verse 25. You know, this is talking about what James and, and John, they're, they're trying to manipulate the system like, like any, do, any, good, uh, any good Christians do, right? So, they, so they're walking, they're, they're, they go behind the scenes, they start talking to Jesus. Like, yeah, Jesus, let, let us, let us be one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus said, listen, are you going to be able to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Can you drink this cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, absolutely, we can. He said, and indeed you will. And indeed you will. He said, but me, for, to say you can sit on the right or on my left, it's not for me to give, it's for the Father. Amen. How many of y'all know that Jesus never stepped outside of what the Father was asking him to do? Amen. See, it didn't matter what Jesus was called to do. He never stepped outside. He never pushed the point. He always let the Father do what the Father is supposed to be doing. Amen. But here in verse 25, all the, we see that all the, the disciples, they started getting irritated about the situation. 
And Jesus called, called him unto him, and he said, listen, you know the princes, uh, uh, the princes and the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they are great that exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. He says, let him be your minister. What is that word there, to be minister? That's the Greek word diakonos. Right, saying, let them be the one that serves, amen. If anyone's going to be great, if anyone's going to be a great leader in here, the first thing you're going to have to learn to do is you're going to have to be one that serves, amen. You're going to have to be one that serves. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Turn with me here, and we'll, 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 see, we'll see what that looks like. How many of y'all know that there is even criteria for someone that is called to serve in, in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 3? I mean, everyone, everyone wants to talk about what, uh, what, uh, you know, what's the criteria for pastors and what's, what's you know, the criteria. Just for someone to serve, for the deacons. It says, Let, it goes, uh, likewise must be deacons be grave. They must be serious, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre or greedy of money. He goes, holding the mystery of faith and pure conscience. And let these also first be proved and let them also use the office of the deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives Lives be grave. They must be serious about the things of God, not slanderers, not, uh, but sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be husbands of a one wife, ruling their children in their households. I mean, I'm telling you, the Lord, he says, listen, if you're going to want to serve tables, because this is what the deacons were anointed to do, right? They were supposed to serve the tables, count the finances, you know, give money and give, give offerings there into the widows. This is what the deacons were doing, much like what elders do in the church nowadays. And some churches have deacons, but, but it's about, it's about, it's about the, they're doing the same thing, amen? But there is a criteria for them. Why? Because they're leading, amen? Because they're leading, amen? I can even back, back up in the, back, in the book of Acts. It says these people, they need to be full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. Oh, come on. You want to be, be a leader in the kingdom? We need to be full of faith. We need to be full of wisdom. We need to be full of the power of God. We need to line up with what the word tells us to do. Amen. It says, if, any, if anyone among you, uh, among, uh, where am I? Who, uh, yeah, if, uh, if anyone so be among you, whosoever will be great among you, he says, let him be your minister. You want to be great? Begin to serve people. You want to be great? You want to be a great leader? Serve people. Amen. Not, not, now, we don't need to be, you know, focused on, on how the camera gets on us. I'm telling you, it drives me absolutely mad nowadays, all, all these ministers you see. And I mean, I'm telling you, you, their faces are all planted all over everything. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like they are the ministry. What, are you going to go see these people or are you going to see Jesus? I mean, are you coming to get in Jesus' presence or just coming to this minister's presence? I'm telling you, we, we need to get corrected on what, on what, on what leadership looks like. He says, you want, to be great? You, want to be, you want to do a good job? You want to be a leader? Start serving people. You want to be a chief among the people? You want to be the leader among them? He says, he says you're going to have to be a minister. You're going to have to be, that's the Greek word doulos. You're going to have to become a slave. He says, anyone, anyone wants to be a leader, the proper leader, the one leading the organization? He says, you're going to have to become a slave. Oh, but I don't like, I don't like that language. We shouldn't be using that language in the church. Listen, I'm not using it. This is what Jesus is saying. We ought to be a slave. A slave to what? A slave to the church. A slave to what Jesus has called us to do. A slave to people. What does that mean? That means you die to yourself and you begin to serve other people. Amen. You put people in front of you. You love people as much or more than yourself. Amen. We become a bond slave. Whew. Come on now. This is getting real. This is getting real. This is getting real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Mm-mm-mm. Let me try to get back on topic here. I'm telling you, our, our Lord is so good. I'm telling you, Lord, see, if, if we're going to train up the next generation, church, we're first going to have to learn how to, how to train up, amen, ourselves. Amen, allow ourselves to be trained up. And here's a, here's a good example here, and I'm going try to try to blow through this. I'm, I'm probably going to take up a lot of your time, so y'all just be prepared. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're going to go here to Noah. We're going to go here to Genesis chapter 6. I want to talk to you a little bit about Noah because there's a lot. There's a lot of stories in the in the Bible here that give us the the ability to to train to learn how to be trained up generationally in the things that we're doing. Amen. Because God thinks generationally. God thinks generationally. Actually, I'm going to back that back up. Y'all, y'all can just hold your finger there, and I'm going to go to Hebrews, Hebrews 11. I want to show you something here. Maybe this will set the tone here. In, he, in Hebrews chapter 11, I'll, I'll just start in verse 7. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet as seen, moved with fear, prepared the, arcs, uh, prepared the ark to the saving of the house, by which he was condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. He goes, And by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place where he should, uh, should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing where he should go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise and, and into a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, with the heirs with him of the same, uh, which had the, the same promise. For he looked for a city which had a foundation whose builder and maker is, is, God, is God. It says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who promised. Therefore sprang even, even of one, talking about Abraham, as of good as good as dead, as more as the stars in the sky and the multitude as sand is by the seashore. They're innumerable. You couldn't count them. He goes, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Whew. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims in this earth. See, listen, I'm telling you, God has always thought generationally. He's always put visions and callings upon people that are so big. Amen. But see, people in the People back years ago, they used to understand this. That, listen, it doesn't matter if I'm the one that completes it. Amen. Just let me be a part of it. I think uh, uh, Pastor Nardino there sat there and talked about, listen, listen, talking about Isaiah the prophet. Look, here I am, send me. You know, that, that, that was all he was there to do. Look, Lord, I don't want to be the greatest thing in the world. Listen, just to send me. Here I am. Let me partake in what you're, what you're calling us to do here on this earth. Amen. So we get here to, to, to Genesis and, and we Genesis chapter six. And this is a man, amen, that's full of faith and has, is full of a generationally minded legacy that he wants to leave here on this land. Amen. Um, we'll start here in, in chapter six, verse, uh, let's start here in verse one. And it said, it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, he goes, the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were fair, they were beautiful like they still are today. And they, they, and they took them wives, which they chose. Now, most historians, most theologians, if you look at this, they'd say these sons of man, these sons of God here, it's, it's speaking about the fallen angels. Amen. If you could jump on back to Job chapter one, verse six, you know, Job talks about the sons of God came to present themselves before the father and Satan 
himself came along with them. Amen. These sons of God back here in the Old Testament, most of the time it is, it is leading you forth to talking about fallen angels here. So yeah, we're catching back up here in verse 3. And it said, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also a flesh, that his days shall be 120. Man, it's hard to get through these things and not want to teach on all these verses. But, but listen, listen, this 120 here, a lot of people say, I'm going to stand in faith because I'm, I'm on 120 years of my life. Listen, that's not what this is necessarily talking about. You know, this is talking about there's going to be 120 years and I'm not going to strive with man anymore because judgment's coming. Amen. This is, this is the Lord saying, listen, in 120 years, I'm bringing forth judgment of water and, and under the land, under the people. Because I'm not, I'm not striving with them. I'm not going to, all the darkness and filth that's upon the earth, I'm, I'm, I'm about to separate it. It's about to be done. He says in verse 4, he says, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bare children unto them. The same became mighty men, which of old, these were the giants, that, that, uh, the giants of Anak in, in, in many different cities in that area. They had giants in their heritage, and this, this is how it happened. The angels came down, they mated with women, you know, and then had these, had these supernatural human type, type people, amen, that, that the David the Kingslayer destroyed, right? And then... And then here in verse, uh, verse 5, it says, And God said, and, or excuse me, and God saw the wickedness of man and how great it was on earth, and how every imagination and thoughts of, of his heart were evil continually, and he repented that he made the earth. And uh, he regretted that he made man, he made this earth. And in verse 7, it says, I will destroy man who I have created upon the face of this earth, both man and beast, and every creeping thing, and the fowls of the earth. So, what is he saying? In 120 years, there is a judgment coming. There is a judgment that is, that is coming. Why? Because he was, he was repulsed of the, the leader of the earth at that time, which 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us he was that leader. His name is Satan. Amen. He became the god of this world. And he was repulsed by the things that he was doing. I mean, even, even the earth itself became cursed. Amen. There was, there was thorns and everything else on the earth, and it, it became cursed from, from the leadership that was upon it. In verse 9, or verse 8, it says, But Noah... Everyone say, but Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. But Noah, he found grace in the sea that God was repulsed. He, he was like, man, I can't even believe I created this place. It's in such a mess. But Noah. But Noah. But a man found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. I'm telling you, that's a powerful statement right there. He walked with God. Now, how, how listen, God, God's always looking for a righteous man or a righteous woman. Amen. They'll fulfill his calling and his destiny upon this earth, which is what? Which is to get this whole world saved. Amen. This is his desire. This is what he wants. And, and listen, people, people of all the time, they, they've said, why, why does it take so long for us to bring Jesus on this earth? Why does God take so long to do things? Because Jesus or the Lord does everything according to his word. Amen. He'll never step outside the boundary of it. Amen. Everything he does is according to his word. So what it took, it took him, it took him thousands of years to get people to start lining up with his word, to get prophets that would speak forth the word, amen, to have, to have the ability to have Jesus. I mean, can you imagine the prophet that spoke out and said, you know what, you know, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, he's going to be born of a virgin. I mean, you know what happened to prophets that, that didn't happen? To, uh, their prophecies didn't come to fruition. They got, they got killed. 
Amen. So how long do you think it, it took you know, him to talk a prophet into actually speaking these things out? But see, when he started getting these prophets, he started speaking things into existence. God was able to work. Why? Because there's power in our words. Yeah, I'm telling you, God's looking for you. He's looking for someone to just get hooked up with him so you can speak forth what he desires, amen, to bring forth in this earth. And this, Noah, Noah was one of those men, amen. Now, how did, how did Noah become righteous? You ever, you ever wondered about that? If, everyone, if all hell was breaking loose, there was only eight righteous people on all the earth, how did he become righteous? Huh? How, how did he? How did he get that baton handed off to him? Well, well, real quickly, if I, I'll just I'll just read through this. If you go back to Genesis chapter five, you know it talks here in verse twenty one. It says, "And Enoch lived sixty five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God." After he begat, uh, begat Methuselah for 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were, were 365. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. For God took him. I think that's absolutely powerful. In Hebrews chapter 11, some of those faith verses, uh, somewhere around verse 5, it talks about that, that, uh, that Enoch walked with God and he was no more right? He was no more. He was taken from God. He was raptured. Why? Because he had a testimony that he pleased God. Amen. Listen, you know, be like, I don't know if I believe in the rapture. Listen, people were getting raptured all the way in Genesis. I mean, see, this guy was so intimate with God. He was so intimate with the things of God that he said, you know what, Lord, I don't want to die. God honored that. And he just walked right over into heaven. God, God raptured him. He pulled him. He captured him to himself. I'm telling you, that's absolutely powerful. It didn't just stop with him. Elijah was the same way. Elijah was a witness to him. He saw, he saw Elijah going up into the heavens on, with a chariot of fire. Why? Because he was raptured. He was pulled. He was pulled out of that place. I'm telling you, that's absolutely powerful. I mean, rapture has always been, been going on, and it is going to continue to go on. Hallelujah. In verse uh, 25, it says, Methuselah, you know, begat, uh, uh, Methuselah begat Lamech, and then, and then Methuselah had sons and daughters. Methuselah, uh, and then Lamech goes down, uh, begat Noah. In verse 29, saying, this, this sum shall add... Uh, this same shall comfort us concerning the work and the toil of our hands. You know, the name Noah means rest. Amen. It was prophesied over, over Noah that he was going to bring rest into the land. Amen. He was going to bring rest into the land. And he did just that after he built the ark, the world flooded. Amen. God brought rest back into the land. He rebuked the curse that was upon the land. I'm telling you, there's, a, there's some nasty things. I mean, we think things are bad now. What are those little prickly things that are out there that, that sting your hand when you touch them out in the fields? Huh? Yeah, yeah, those thistles. Yeah, these, these nasty little things that we have all over. Listen, can you imagine what it was like back in those days? Amen. Because it doesn't say he took the curse off the land. Can you imagine what it looked like then? Amen. Trying to farm and do different things here on this earth. But I'm telling you, he was righteous. He, he started pressing into the things of God. But, but how did he get righteous? Listen, his, his great-grandfather was a man that got raptured because he was so intimate with the things of God. They say that, that Noah, he was the first generation that never knew Adam. He was born, I think it was 120 years after, after Adam already died. He was the first generation not to sit there and walk and talk and commune with the man and the woman, amen, that, that was face-to-face -face with God, that walked with God, that was very intimate with God. He was the first generation not to do it. Now, how did he stay righteous when all hell was going on around the world? Listen, he had, he had a great-grandfather that had a generational mentality. He wanted to leave a generational legacy of intimacy with the things of God. What did he do? He trained up his son. His son trained up his grandson. His, his grandson trained up his great-grandson, which was Noah. So when God was displeased with everything going upon the earth, he said, look, there's one right there. 
There's one right there. There's one right there. You know, there, there, is, there is a righteousness. I, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. So let me jump on back here and I'll close this thing up. <laughs> it says, And Noah begat sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. I mean, if you go back to, to verse 30, 32 there, it just says that he begat Ham, Sham, and Japheth. You know, why did God get particular right here and say that he begat sons? You ever thought about that? Why did God get particular and say, now he begat sons right here? Why? Because sons are important. And then fathers are important. Parents are important. Children are important. Listen, church, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's people all around this world that they can go around, they can spread their seed. I mean, they can sleep around all they want. Everyone can have children. Amen. But just because you can have children doesn't mean that you're producing sons. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're a father. I mean, I'm telling you, church, we need to get back to that place where we get fathers and mothers back in the church again, where we get, we get sons that are, that, are, that are not rebelling against their fathers and mothers, but they're starting to begin to serve them. Why? Because they're getting trained up in the way that they should go. I'm telling you, it's not difficult to have children. It's difficult to be a son. It's not difficult to have children, but it can be difficult to be a father. Why? Because you have to give up you. You have to give up something you possess, amen, and serve the next generation. We have got to get back into this place, church, where we're, where we're serving this next generation. Hallelujah. Is anyone with me here today? Hallelujah. <clears throat> says here, and this, obviously the earth was corrupt and was out void, Verse 20, 12, it says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. All the flesh was corrupted. Verse 13, And God said to Noah, He's going to end all flesh that has come before me, for the end is filled with violence through them. And behold, I guess I'm going to destroy them all. Now listen, why does God bring judgment? i got to address this, amen, because there's so many corrupt ideas about this. Why did God bring judgment upon the world? Because he hated these people? Because he hated all these people that hated all the things they were doing? No. Why did God bring judgment upon the earth? Why did he destroy the whole earth and everything in it except for eight people? Because remember, God will judge anything that comes against his word. He'll judge anything that comes against his, his name, and he'll judge anything that comes against his people. I mean, so what did God do? Say, oh, the whole world was corrupt. He didn't want this last eight righteous people to get corrupted. What do you say? I'm going to wipe out everything. Why? Because I want to so protect them. I'm telling you, this, this is the judgment of God. God's not looking to punish you. He's not looking to punish people. Amen. God is like a judge, amen, but not a judge that's sitting there on, on a court that has the gavel saying, saying you're good or bad. You're going to hell. That, that's not how God is like a judge, the judge of the Bible, amen, that, that led people to victory, that protected people this, and destroyed nations that were trying to come against his. This is the kind of judge our God is, amen. He's a, he's a, he's a judge of the Bible, amen. He's the judge of the Bible. Hallelujah. And in verse 17, I'll finish up with two verses. In verse 17, he said, Behold, he goes, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth, and I will destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in it shall die. He goes, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and you shall come into the ark uh, you and your sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. There'll be eight people in total coming into this place. Coming into this place. This idea that God so loved this righteous people that he'd not just only want to protect them, but he wanted to bring covenant with them. 
I mean, see, how many of y'all know that, that he just didn't want to save them and protect them? He wanted them to replenish the earth. How many of you know that you, which were dead in your sins, got rebirthed into life? You're a new creation. God just didn't save you out of hell. Amen? That, that is not your golden ticket. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm out of hell. The hell should not mean anything unto the Christian. Amen? But what are we called to do? We're called to replenish the earth. I mean, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we need to have 30 wives or anything like that. No, we're here to replenish the earth. With what? By, by giving what God's placed on the inside of us to the people that we come in contact with. Amen? We're here to replenish. We're here to drive back darkness. We're here to establish the kingdom of God here on this earth. Amen? But it's going to happen generationally. He says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. And only eight people, only seven people, are going to be saved through this. If you look back in Peter, you know, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Amen? That as he was doing this, as he was building this ark for 120 years, he was a preacher of righteousness. He did it for only seven people. He did it for only seven people. I'm telling you, every, every nail he put into that boat, every board that he shaped and that he, that he put together, he, he did it for seven people. 120 years he went building this ark for seven people, eight including himself. I was in Bulgaria, and I ministered something on this topic right here, and there was a group of pastors sitting in the front, and there, there was one guy that was kind of the leader of, over the denomination, and he had a huge church, about 1,000 people, I believe it was, and I looked at him, and I said, would you do what God's called you to do if you're only going to have seven people in your church? And he sat there, and he started laughing, he put his, and, and, and started shaking his head and put his head down, and then, and then it just dawned on him what I was saying. And they, look, and they looked up his eyes. I'm telling you, he was like, oh, my Lord, I can't believe I was just laughing about that. I'm telling you, church, my question to you today is, would you do what God's called you to do, even if it only affected seven people? Would you leave India and come over to this land and do what God's calling you to do, even if it's only going to help seven people when you got 1.5 billion people over there in India? Amen? What, what, we are all here for a purpose. You know, what would you say at your job that you hate, that you don't like doing, if there's one person there that you're going to get saved? Because see, I can look at people in here and I'm telling you, listen, you may get five people saved through your lifetime. You may get a hundred. You may get a thousand. You may get two thousand. You may get fifteen. I'm telling you. But listen, church, does it matter? I mean, is it all about, is it about our success? Or are, we, are we building up the kingdom from this generation that is following us? Are we, just, are we yielding to what the Lord's asking us to do? Would you give up everything you have for seven people? Oh, church, see, this is something I wrestled with for, for, for a good long while. I mean, when, we, when God asked us to plant this church, you know, we left Pastor John's church, which was a, well, a great church, and had, we're having a good time. He said, I want you to come and plant this church. And I said, I said okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So we, we stepped out, we went to plant. And listen, I've been, for, I've been confessing for, for years, ever since we left Galveston, Texas, that when we plant a church, it's going to be an amazing church. It's going to be a huge church. It's going to be filled to the rafters. I mean, the first church we're going to have, a service we're going to have, there's going to be over 100 people. And I'm confessing, I'm confessing, I'm confessing. Why? Because I know the things that I believe when I confess it. Listen, I Noah, without a shadow of doubt, they come to existence. They manifest 100% of the time. But I was sitting there, and I was, I was talking to the Lord right the, the day before our first Sunday service. I'm sitting there making my confession, talking with him. I'm so happy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is going to be amazing. And Lord stopped me, and he said, what are you going to do if no one shows up? 
what, what are you going to do if no one shows up to that service? He goes, are you going to continue on? I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I'll continue on. Because I know it's what you called me to do. I know it's what you asked me to do. Absolutely, I'll continue on. And he says, okay. He says, what if you, what if you only get 20 people? And this, is all, this, is, this, is, this, is, this amounts to, you, to the ministry that you left everything in the States, everything that you're doing over there, and you came over here, and you're going to have 20 people in your, in your, in your church. Will you still continue on and do what I'm asking you to do? I said, absolutely, Lord. I'll be obedient. You asked me to do it, and if that's what you think I, I'm, I'm uh, able to do, I'll take a holy. He, and then he asked me another question. He said, will you be happy? Will you be happy with it? And I said, well, well, Lord, if you want me to be honest, man, there ain't no way. I was, I, I was, I had a better church service at my company that I, that I owned back in the States, ministering to those people than having 20 people. No, I'll do exactly what you want me to do, but, but I don't think I'm going to be happy with it. Amen. And he, he just let it go. He didn't get mad at me. He didn't rebuke me. He just let me keep on going about my business. So what we do, we started the church. Everything's blasting off. Listen, we, 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 we fast forward three years. He's never mentioned that again. And then about three, three and a half years later, he starts talking to us. He said, you know, he says, I think it's time for you to step out. We need, we need, to, we need to start planning churches. We need to start, uh, plan another church. He goes, would you do that? And I said, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll be obedient. I'll do it. He said, would you be happy doing it? And I said, well, Lord, you know, if you want to be honest with you, no, I won't. Amen. Why? Because I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I'm happy here with our, with our church. This place is growing. It's thriving. We got the move of the Spirit. It's an amazing place. I'm, I'm happy here. But I'll do exactly what you asked me to do. Why? Because it's not about me. Amen. I'm here to tell you, church, it's not, it's not just about you. Amen. It's about him. Amen. And what he's desiring us to do. So I ask you again, you know, would you give up everything you have? If God wants to do something amazing in your life, because see, I couldn't, I, could, I only had big visions, only great things could happen. I wasn't satisfied with something small, but see, when something small came about, I was like, oh man, I love this. I, I don't know if I want anything bigger. This, that, this is great at the size it is. And he's like, well, well, listen, what if I want to grow this thing? Are you going to be happy with that? Listen, we need to get to that place, listen, church, where we start removing ourselves, move ourselves out, and get so pressed into him that it doesn't matter what he asks us to do, amen, that we'll continue to do it. We'll allow him to put a smile on our face, because I promise you, church, there is nothing better. There is nothing better than serving him. I'm telling you, church, numbers aren't a sign of, of you're doing, you're in God's will. Amen? Your obedience to what he's asking you to do is a sign that you're in God's will. Amen? And we need to be pleased with those things and allow these things to, to come up. And I have gotten quite a bit off topic today, but hopefully, amen, the, some of these things have spoken to you today. Amen? But listen, church, we need to get to that place. Amen? We're ready to let go of everything just so we can see his goodness be flourished in this earth, and not because we're focused on ourselves, amen, but because we're focused on what he wants to do. And I'm telling you, he is generationally minded, amen, and wants, wants this next generation to come to pass and do the things that he's called them to do. So, so let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your kingdom. 
Lord, as you put it on my heart, you put it on to, to minister on these things today. I, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, that you will help shift our, our perspective, help shift our gaze that we'll become a generationally minded people. Lord, hungry after the things of God, hungry after you, amen, but not forgetting about what you're calling us to do here. Lord, may we be people that lay foundations. May we help, may we help the next generation grow up. May we, may we set forth the next generation related to do greater things than we've ever dreamed of doing. But we need to get something shifted on the inside of us. We stop getting so focused about ourselves and begin to focus on him, be it focus on Jesus, focus on the Holy Spirit, focus on your word, and Father, focus on you. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work in us. You're, you're, you're shifting something on the inside of us. You're changing, you're changing us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. So we thank you for it, Lord. We give you all the glory for it. And as is the tradition of this church, we walk out of here, we claim Psalms 91, knowing that the things that we confess the things that we believe, Lord, they, they always manifest us around us. Why? Because your word tells us. So we know that no evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place, Lord, for you give your angels charge of us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, to, to protect us, Lord. We're, we're protected as we go down the railways, the seaways, the airways, the motorways, or even when we're walking down the walk paths, Lord. No wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us or harm us. Why? Because we are the protected of God. Your angels bear us up in their hands. At least we dash our foot against the stone. Why? Because we are people that are committed. We're committed to be in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say unto the Lord, you are our refuge, you are our fortress, you are our God. It's in you whom we trust, not in fortresses, not in horses, not in money, not in our jobs. It's you. It's you alone that we trust. You alone that we rely on on being our, our hedge of protection. So we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. We thank you for our jobs in this house. We thank you for the righteous labor of our hands. Or may we be a blessing. May these, may these jobs become our ministry. May we be able to get one person saved, two people saved, five people saved. May we get our whole company saved in Jesus' name. May we be generationally minded, Lord. Our companies won't, won't just be the way they are, Lord, that the next generation, if you tarry, Lord, they will, they will come and they will get on fire and there will be revivals going, going before the, the, even before the work day begins. So we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Lord, thank you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood, we are empowered by the word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.